The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hello and welcome back. Thanks again for joining us for another episode as we take a few minutes out of our day in God's Word. We're glad you're with us and hope that the time together will be a help. If you're following along with us in a Bible or tablet or a phone, uh, we are in the book of 1 Samuel. We started this uh, yesterday as we're going to walk through an Old Testament historical book. Uh, We give a little bit of context at this. The context, the historical setting of this book is that we see that uh, Samuel is what we would call the last prophet, uh, the last judge, I'm sorry. He's also a prophet and priest. He is really the transitionary period historically for Israel. They're moving out of the time of the judges, moving into the time of the monarchy. He will be the one to anoint Saul and then David, and then, of course, it goes from there. So he is a huge figure. At this point, we're actually looking at a little bit of his history of uh, how he was born. Um, we were looking at the fact that his, his, her, his father, Alkanah, his wife, uh, Hannah, uh, could not have children. We know we saw yesterday that was a result of God's choice. God had shut up her womb. Um, she had a, his other wife, we talked about that yesterday, that just kind of tortured her about that. So we pick up here where they've come back up, they're coming up to worship. Uh, the passage simply states that God gave Penina, or that uh, Elkanah gave Penina and her children money and things to work, sacrifice and gave Hannah more because he really loved her. And so we pick up there, and what we're going to see here now is the prayer. This is probably one of the more popular parts. Uh, well, when we think of Hannah, we think of Hannah's prayer, popular part of this beginning part of the story. And a lot of people rightfully run to this passage uh, because Hannah was able to see God move in an absolutely miraculous way. Hannah was able to see God open her womb. Hannah was able to not only have Samuel, which we know we'll see is he, she gave back to God. Hannah then had other children. Um, and so a lot of times we love to run to this passage and say, what are principles we can learn about prayer? And so that's what we're going to try and do for the next couple of minutes is evaluate. Please understand something. I do not believe that if you go to a passage like this and just follow the steps that God is somehow guaranteed or responsible to to bless. Remember that God was the one that closed up Hannah's womb. So a lot of what we're going to see is this was part of God's plan. God's plan was to do this. God's plan was for this prayer and this commitment. God, Because ultimately... God wanted Samuel to be in the temple so that he could hold the position that God had for him. That's why we're entitling this series, God's Story, My Part. And so let's go ahead and jump into uh, chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, we're just going to walk through and unpack it as we do that. It says, And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Now, we understand that, in the again, the Middle Eastern culture, in this day, her value would have been found culturally in giving children and sons to her husband. Uh, she was unable to do that by God's choice at this point, uh, but that wasn't the big deal to her husband. Her husband loved her, saw her has great value. You can see that back when you get back to um, Jacob. He had many more sons with Leah, but his heart was with his, you know, with Joseph's mother. Heart was with that um, family. And so you do see that in this case, there was a love relationship here. So I start with this saying, even though she was missing having children, uh, she had a good life. She had a comfortable life. She had a husband who loved her. She's just missing this one thing. In the case we'll see, please understand, while she was still grieved, 
in what's happening here. She had become submissive to what God wants. And one of the things I appreciate here is while she had become submissive to what God wanted in her life, it never stopped her from praying that God would change it. Um, and so I appreciate she goes, I've accepted this is what God has for my life, but that doesn't mean I'm going to ask God maybe if you'd be willing to to change this. There will be times in your life where in God's sovereignty, he's put you in a season of life and he's allowed something to happen. It uh, might be for you to learn about yourself. It might be for you to learn about him. I guess the thing we look at and we evaluate that truth is we must be submissive to where God has us now. Uh, Psalm 23, and he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I love what Spurgeon says there. Planted is passive. It's been done to us. Someone else planted us there. Wherever you are right now, God has planted you there. The point is, and you've got by rivers of water, you've got plenty of resources, even on bad days, plenty of resources. Are you going to flourish where you're planted? And you have to submit to what God has for you now to do that. And so that's, that's really the first principle you look at. You can't move into Hannah's next principle and what we're looking at until you, in, in the prayer, until you recognize before she came in this prayer, she had lived while sad in submission to what God had for her. So then we continue verse nine. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, I will indeed look on the affliction of your mate, or sorry, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, and I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. So the one thing we look at here is she doesn't just come and pray. Her prayer comes with a vow. Now, the one thing I want us to understand is what I don't think is happening here. I've heard a lot of people that they come to the point of bartering with God. Uh, I've heard of people in military scenarios where they're under fire. God, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to church if you let me out of here. Uh, people in car accidents, I'll, I'll get right with you. And in sometimes God, as we've talked about in Jonah, God will use circumstances to get our attention. Uh, that's, I don't believe what this is. This is not a situation where she never, she was, because most, let me go back a second. Most of the scenarios where you see the people bartering with God have no desire for God at all. Uh, they've ignored God, maybe not saved, or they're running from God, and they're just kind of hoping that this will get them out of it. They're, they're only screaming out of fear. The scenario with Hannah is different. Hannah is engaged in a home that is worshiping God. She's up here. She knows uh, she's engaged in belief and submission to God. So this vow, by the way, I believe is a vow that God laid upon her heart because Samuel, the boy, the man that comes, becomes a needful figure for God in the children of Israel. So I believe God was kind of working all of this, orchestrating this as he does in his plan to put her, you know, to get her to the point where she asked for this. Because here's the thing intriguing to you and to me and to me in this section as we will get to later. Um, but a point is necessary. Hannah does not ask for multiple children. Hannah asks for one son. And then she says, I will give that son back to you. So it wasn't even a matter of wanting multiple children. She just wanted a son, but she wasn't even really going to be able to rear the son at a certain age when he was real young. He was going to come and live at the temple with Eli. Um, so it's, it's, not, you know, it's not just, I want more children. She wanted a level of value. There was something unique in what she wanted. And again, I go to, I go to the sovereignty of God where God has made a plan, but it's intriguing that we always have to understand something. For whatever reason, God in his sovereignty has truly sovereign, but has put, it established a free will. In his sovereignty, established a free will. How do they work together? Here's what I've heard. I'm going to mention this again Sunday when we preach, but here's an interesting part that I've, I've read this week and I thought it was phenomenal. Um, 
God's sovereignty and free will in man, or we should say man's responsibility, are kind of like train tracks, all right? They, they run separate. To make a train run effectively, to keep going, both of these rails are necessary. Um, we don't know if they'll ever cross. We don't understand how they work together. We don't have to. We just know they're necessary. God has given us sovereignty, but he's given us free will and he's given us responsibility. It starts back in the garden with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's always been free will and a responsibility to obey. It's been God's choice. So what happens here is God has put a situation in place, but Hannah was so tender that she was willing to acknowledge and recognize what God was doing and make this vow. By the way, another unique thing about this vow is it did require sacrifice. Now, I'm not saying that to get answer of prayer, it demands sacrifice. But I think sometimes when God lays upon our heart, I think sometimes we get the idea that God, uh, if we're not careful, I want to be careful saying this, that we see God as kind of a drive-through worker. We place an order out the screen. Uh, we get up to the window. If it's not done, we can complain. Um, God is just not a waiter or someone who's waiting. You know, he wants to serve. He wants, but what, he wants to bless, but he is almighty God. He has a plan. Our responsibility is to submit and get in line with that plan. And now we do that by prayer. You know, sometimes we think that prayer is our way of getting God to align with what we want. But in reality, prayer is our way of God, of, excuse me, prayer is God's way of aligning us and his will. And that's, I think, one of the more important things we need to learn from this, that she got aligned as she was praying. She learned what God wanted. Let's continue um, an intriguing part, verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. Now, I can't prove this next comment. A lot of people run to the fact that Eli should have recognized prayer. Uh, but then again, I'm sure Eli has seen drunk people before. So the point was this. She didn't run and tell a million people what was going on. And I'm not saying it's wrong. But what I'm saying is I've learned this. When we, it really gets down to what we're begging God to do, it is a... It is a wrestling match, as Jacob did, a wrestling match between us and God. There's a lot we can learn in that wrestling match, and we won't, we won't dig into it deeper now. But many times in our prayer life, it's a wrestling match. She had been fasting to this point, weeping. Many times fasting is necessary. There are going to be times where God wants to work, but there is going to require, you know, we get to the um, Mount of Transfiguration when these men, Jesus came down and the disciples were, why could we not cast out the demon? And, and it's, Jesus said, this kind comes not but by prayer and fasting. There are going to be times in our life where we can't, we are going to take, I want to say seriously, sacrificially, we're going to have to come to God. I will tell you this, I've never been in a situation where, you can, where God is not outgiven. God, God has never been outgiven. God will always bless when he does. If this is his plan and his will, his end is amazing. But I think sometimes we miss the fact that it is us worshiping God, not God just trying to obey us. And we get a, I hope that's one thing we get from this section of Scripture, is that the almighty nature and sovereignty of God, uh, we are to come to him and look for his will and watch. Let's finish up this section real quick. Um, verse 15, Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Now, there's not something interesting here that was different in the Old Testament priests and prophets. One, please remember they did not have the completed Bible. So 
they were living the Old Testament as it was being really written. So this is a chance where the priest did have the ability to give these answers, these guarantees, not something pastors can do today. Our scenario, the way God works is different in our age of grace and it was in the age of the Old Testament, of the law, of history of Israel. And the Old and New Testament, that God works a little differently based upon Jesus coming, giving us the Holy Spirit. But in this situation, you do see that she was able to receive. I wish I knew that. I wish that I could walk away and say, no, God's going to do something. And we can in peace, but we also have to just learn to trust. And I challenge you, whatever it is you're facing right now, sometimes it will take some fervent prayer, some fasting, um, some serious nature, having other people pray with you. Sometimes it will take just personal, private time with God and just begging God to move, but it will always take submission because if you're not submitted to God where you are now, you may never submit when you get what you want. If God gave what you want, you may run away. Uh, submission is necessary so that when God moves, we're ready for what God does. Well, that will glorify Him and it's best for our life. I hope that's an encouragement. I hope you consider whatever it is you're facing, that that be something that you would take to God and uh, find this as something that is, it's a battle. It is a war. It is, it is not, it is tiring. It's not always easy, but it is what God has put in there. And it is a principle that we can learn that may change our perspective and our relationship with Jesus. Again, thanks for joining us. We have a couple minutes longer than normal today. It might happen because we are in the Old Testament, but I do appreciate the privilege to be part of your day. Stick with us as we continue through this book, learn about Samuel, about Israel's history, and a lot of great principles we can learn about God in these coming days. We thank you again for your time and hope you join us again next time.